0: Blob Talk Radio. <laughs> Show brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor in chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking. And, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm at Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KambachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Combox Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. Alrighty, thanks for staying uh, with us today. I don't have a lot of chicken uh, in the news uh, today. Really, I don't have uh, any, so we'll get right to our topic today, which is mycoplasma with uh, poultry veterinarian Dr. Maurice Patesky, and uh, we'll be doing that here in just a couple of minutes after the first official partial break. To say thank you very much. Shout out to uh, everybody that tunes into the show. I'd love to hear from the homeschoolers out there that incorporate this show into their daily curriculum. Uh, I know uh, it's really summer school now, if you will, but thanks for tuning in. Um, really, all the over-the-road truck drivers, we hear from you, too. you got a homestead back home, and you're out uh, making a living. Keep the rubber on the road. Uh, get home safe, so you can tend to those and that garden and your family. Uh, all the uh, feed stores across the country that stream this radio show live to your customers during the day. Thank you very much for doing that. And, of course, uh, all our live listeners and all of our archive listeners. We know you may not be able to tune in at 2 p.m. every Tuesday and Thursday, but you may be able to tune in at 2 a.m. Uh, If you can't sleep, that's what your schedule allows for. So there's thousands of folks that listen to the archive show, and we thank you for for doing so. But we do have a great show lined up for you today. The topic is mycoplasma. Uh, A lot of questions uh, and a lot of, uh, I guess, myths, too, regarding mycoplasma and... uh, Uh, all about it, so uh, we just, uh, again, go to the experts, and we'll have poultry veterinarian Dr. Maurice uh, Poteski joining us. Hey, if you missed Tuesday's show, you really need to go back and listen to the archive of that show. It was a special salmonella uh, episode. Uh, We had um, Dr. Megan Nichols on, who is in charge of the current salmonella outbreak uh, that is taking place at the CDC. Um, She works for the CDC, rather, and so she's... um, she was on. We also welcomed uh, poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray and Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, Uh, and it was a really good show. We asked a lot of questions that people have on Facebook and and Twitter and other the the blogs and forums that are out there, so it was a really good show, Um, and and really, if you listen to it, I know some people won't listen to it. They like to bury their head in the sand or put their Fingers in their ears and go la 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 la. What 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 salmonella uh, outbreak? Um, nobody. We're all humans. We don't want to be proved wrong. We don't we don't want to we don't want change. We don't want to think that our chickens might be carrying salmonella. My chickens are healthy because I give them watermelon and apple cider vinegar every single day. Um, so, so I hope people won't listen the science uh, regarding the outbreak. Um, but it was a really good episode. I really encourage you to go and listen to it, uh, to, uh, the one on Tuesday. So we hope you will do so. But a lot of things are new, so we'll get right to our first official commercial break. When we come back, we will welcome uh, Dr. Maurice Pateski and we'll be talking all about mycoplasma today. So during the break, get that pen and paper out, because I'm sure you're going to take some notes. And we might even open the phone lines for some calls. We uh Uh, have some time at the end of the show if we don't cover something and you just have that pressing question you can call in and ask that uh, towards the end of uh, the show so stay with us get that pen and paper out we'll be back talking about mycoplasma when you need an incubator think brenzi the incubation specialists brenzi has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years they manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at brincea.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at Stromberg'sChickens.com. That's Stromberg'sChickens.com. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The 1.5-horsepower motor and 20-inch stainless steel tub can handle two 8-pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance-free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardbirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardbirdChickenPluckers.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at That's waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E M-F-G-I-N-C.com, Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, <makes noise> you'll know it's super chicken. All righty, thanks for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper brought to you by Feeds. We're going to go to the phone lines right now, and we will welcome uh, poultry veterinarian Dr. Maurice Bateski, and he's going to be talking all about mycoplasma. So, Maurice, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. It's good to be here again.
0: Yeah, this is a topic that uh, I understand that it's really widespread. It's very common. A lot of people have the attitude, we were talking about it earlier in the week, that why worry about it? Why do anything about it? If I try to keep a close flock and I have birds that aren't, they eventually will be, so I'll keep breeding, I'll keep selling, I'll keep Keep giving away. That's the attitude really on the street. Is that you know it's, it seems to be so widespread. Uh, why even worry about it? And if I, I, can I you know even if I try to do a if I have my birds tested and they test negative and probably eventually they'll test positive and and that type of thing. So it, it doesn't get a lot of. Uh, seriousness, really, uh, again, that type of word on the street is uh, when you see people post about it and, oh, there's no reason to put them down because my new flock will get it anyway because it's just so widespread, and I really don't even know – much uh, about it. We've covered it on the show before, but it's not something like maybe salmonella or some of the other topics I'm more familiar with. So this is going to be a great review for for myself and a lot of people listening and taking notes. So uh, we want to we want to hear from you, and there'll be questions maybe from the chat room, maybe uh, we'll have some callers as well to ask some questions that we just may not cover or, or think to cover. But um, we're ready to hear all about mycoplasma and is. Do you know? Is, should we be concerned? Is it one of those things that eventually will probably have it? or flock may have it, and, but we not even know it. Now, all those questions that we hear out there in uh, in blogs and forums and on the street.
1: Yeah, no, that that's a great um, way to kind of set the table as far as kind of discussing mycoplasma. <laughs> Um, you know, one thing I'd, I'd say right off the bat, I was looking at a graduate student who's doing some surveillance of various respiratory diseases in backyard poultry in California, and um, you do find it it's relatively common in, in backyards in, in California, from what his work has shown, but it's not completely ubiquitous. So there were farms and backyards that um, did not have uh, any evidence of mycoplasma in their flocks. So I know it's it's a little it, it, it's seen, and I agree with the assumption that it it is relatively common in backyards. But I wouldn't agree with the kind of doom and gloom that we're oh we're all going to eventually get it, so it doesn't matter. Um, because the data just doesn't suggest that. But it's it's, it's one of the more, it's a complicated organism. And I think, um, especially for backyarders, it's really complicated. And one thing I always tell people, it's probably one of the more insidious type um, infectious agents that you'll ever deal with. And there's a lot of reasons that's so, and I think the the primary reason is it's it's, it's a very slow organism. So even if an animal, if a chicken gets infected with mycoplasma, um, the time from infection to um, to showing any acute clinical signs is typically you know 60 to 90 to 120 days, um, and that can be further complicated by the fact that typically chickens they can deal with one infection. Um, you can take kind of one leg off that table, and if they're dealing with mycoplasma, you probably won't see any clinical signs. But if they're dealing with mycoplasma and uh, infectious coryza or if they're dealing with mycoplasma and E. coli, that's when you start having problems, and you start seeing some of these clinical signs that are sometimes a little challenging to... Um, to visualize and to observe unless you're really fastidious yourself. Um, so sometimes you'll just see you know, some mild coughing, some mild sneezing maybe. Um, you'll see a slight drop in egg production. And you know those are hard things for people sometimes to really observe. Um, so before you know it, um, this infection could potentially have spread into your entire flock before you even realize something's happened. Now, like I said, once you, if you have mycoplasma, it's kind of the third, the third leg, so you can still survive pretty well with one infection, um, but once there's another infection, that's when things usually put things over the top, and things like stress, things like poor husbandry, uh, coccidiosis, you know, all these other kind of secondary things, um, kind of in combination and in parallel with a mycoplasma infection um, can certainly cause... Um, most of the clinical signs that people are Somewhat familiar with, and and they're not what we call pathognomonic. So if I do see what's called like tracheal rails, kind of this rattling of their trachea when you walk into a chicken house, and you're like, okay, there's something, there's some kind of respiratory thing going on. You don't say, oh, that's immediately mycoplasma. There's other diseases you think about, um, including mycoplasma. um, But you kind of want to be, you know, it's it's a really good idea when you when you when you're when you're visiting your chickens and you're doing your normal routine every day just to be quiet and to listen to them um, and see what you hear Um, Do you hear any sneezing or coughing? Are you seeing lameness because some mycoplasmas can actually infect joints? Um, Not just mycoplasma, but some bacteria can infect joints. So um, are you seeing not as many eggs as before? Um, If you're raising broilers or if you're uh, raising pullets, um, do you see poor growth um, that you're starting to kind of observe just kind of anecdotally? Those are all things that kind of start leaning you toward um, saying at, at the initial state, saying, okay, something's wrong with this flock, we need to do some testing. Um, so it's, it's, it's just insidious in the sense that you, you, might, you might, everything might kind of seem so normal, and then it slowly slides into um, kind of a, a state where things are not completely normal, but you're like, eh, no, no birds have died yet. It's not a high mortality disease, and sometimes it's not even a high morbidity disease. It doesn't even cause a lot of clinical signs but there'll be something else that happens. You know, there was a stress event. There was some uh, wildlife that came in there and stressed the birds. Uh, The weather, um, it got really hot or it got really cold. And all these things um, in combination with the infection can kind of be the the straw um, that breaks the camel's back, um, if you will. So... um, there are a lot of different types of mycoplasma, um, and the one thing I would really stress is that um, not all mycoplasma are, are created equally. Uh, mycoplasma is an interesting bacteria, just from a kind of evolutionary perspective, I don't want to get too far out on a, um, on, on a, on a limb here, but um, it, it's the only bacteria that actually does not have a cell wall, and uh, that's really important uh, for us to know because uh, many antibiotics – um, including penicillin, for example, are um, their, their uh, Achilles heel um, is the cell wall, and penicillin attacks the cell wall. So mycoplasma can't, um, can't do that. And because it can't, mycoplasma doesn't have a cell wall, and because of that, you have to be very um, targeted in what antibiotics you use. So when, for example, when I'll get a phone call as an extension veterinarian at UC Davis, and people will say, well, what, what kind of antibiotics should I use? My, my chicken is coughing. Um, well, and my answer is, is twofold. It's well, I can't prescribe an antibiotic over the phone because that's, that's illegal. And even if mm-hmm. I could, I would be probably doing something potentially harmful or just wasteful from an economic perspective in the sense that if we're dealing with mycoplasma, um, that I would use a completely different antibiotic than if I was dealing with um, ORT or various viruses or other type uh, diseases. So it's, it's really important, and I, I, I stress this, I think probably in articles and in, in interviews, it's so important for people that have their own chickens to develop a relationship with their veterinarian. And the reason is because let's say you do suspect you have a mycoplasma infection. Well, if you're a good do-it-yourselfer, I would be very comfortable working with someone who would take a sample from the trachea or, the, or uh, what we call an oropharyngeal sample, um, of, of several birds and submit that to a diagnostic lab to look for, among other things, mycoplasma. If you're not a do-it-yourselfer, you still need to have a vet to basically give you... Um, if, you're not do- if you're not a do-it-yourselfer, you still need a veterinarian uh, to come out there to kind of give you some idea of what kind of infections you might have. And that's particularly important for mycoplasma because mycoplasma, unlike other bacteria... Um, or, or unlike most other bacteria, is is can be horizontally transmitted, which just means it can be spread from bird to bird. But it can also be vertically spread, and what that means is that it can basically um, go from the hen into the developing embryo transovarially, and that developing embryo, when that chick hatches, is already positive for mycoplasma. The reason that's important is because. If you are hatching your own chicks or if you work with a feed store or you get your birds on, you know, whatever website or whatever group that you work with, if your birds come back positive for mycoplasma, then you need to find out where those birds were, were bred because it is entirely possible that those birds got sick uh, in, while they were still developing in the embryo and that you're not going to be able to get rid of that infection until you depopulate the parent flock. So sometimes people ask me, like, why do I need to do a diagnosis of the disease? And uh, the reason I tell them is you always need to identify the disease because, first of all, we can't effectively treat the disease if we don't know what it is, and that's kind of a no-brainer, but when it comes to these type of infections, specifically with mycoplasma and some other bacteria, where things can be vertically transmitted, where the hen is going to transmit the disease to the chick before it's even hatched, it is essential to know what organism we're dealing with, because if it is one of these mycoplasma, then the only way that we can actually control mycoplasma is by depopulating the parent flock. Okay. So I think we're we're all kind of consult with people and people will say, "Well, what should I what should I do um because I do have mycoplasma in in my flock and I don't seem to have high mortality." And that's a pretty common scenario as you kind of alluded to earlier. And that's kind of one of these decisions that I think each individual kind of needs to make for themselves. It's good to be aware that your flock has a history of mycoplasma and maybe you treated it with antibiotics and antibiotics can be effective, um, including the antibiotic tylosin. Um, However, it is known that while it does treat the disease that those birds can still be carriers so if your, bird, if your flock is healthy, if, if you are a backyard enthusiast and you like backyard chickens just because um, you want some eggs or you want meat or whatever it be, um, and, and you're not showing your birds and those birds are staying on your property, I, have, I would have no objection to, to keeping that flock. There's nothing wrong with that um, at any level. Where it gets complicated is for people that show their birds And when you show your birds, there's a risk associated with that because you're bringing your birds into a a new environment and that environment is um, interfacing with all these other um, show birds. So it's very likely that you're you're kind of mixing um, all different types of potentially infectious agents. And and people have done shows for years, and I'm not opposed to that, but it's just one of those things that people need to be aware of. And I think where it gets a little tricky is that if, if you're a responsible backyard poultry owner, and you have your birds tested for mycoplasma, and they come back positive, does that mean that you shouldn't show your birds at all? And and I don't know the answer to that, because the people that don't show their birds that are going to all these shows, we're almost rewarding them for being ignorant. And uh, that, that kind of frustrates me at a certain level. So the ones that do the testing... They're being responsible, and to ask them then to not show the birds, I, I, I think there's 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 a there's a, it, it's complicated at that point, and I and in all honesty don't know the right answer to that. Um, I think you have to communicate what you know your your birds, what diseases they have, to the people that that organize the show, and then make a decision from there with the organizers
0: it was interesting based on what you said right before you started regarding showing about it the backyard or that has the, uh, I guess I'll paint a picture. You've got, I don't know, 30 or 40 birds in your backyard. You, you, you go outside, you lose one, or maybe one shows some symptoms. You separate it, it then dies. You, you do a, send it to the lab and it comes back. mycoplasma. Um, at, at that point, um, You would have to make the decision or you'd have to, maybe without having to test all your birds. I guess my first question is, okay, that happens. We have a bird. It died. I got it tested. It's positive, so mycoplasma. It it has had full range of all the other 39 birds in my backyard. Is there a good chance that others are, are going to have it, they just may, like you said, living with it may not show symptoms, I, a pretty good chance my other flock is going to have it if I've got one bird that tested positive. I guess that's my first question.
1: Yeah. So the dogma is is that it will spread bird to bird and that it's more likely than not for that entire flock to be positive. So if one bird okay. tests positive, um, and, and we do that for most diseases, if uh, one bird tests positive for, for that organism, we usually assume that entire flock is affected.
0: Okay, and then at that point you would have to make a decision. Say personally, uh, if, if you show, we, we kind of talked about those decisions. But if you don't show, um, uh, you would have to make that decision. Okay, well, maybe I really shouldn't give some of my birds away when they, uh, when I have, you know, if, I, if I'm gathering eggs and putting them in the incubator, if I just start keeping them in my own backyard and it's somewhat of a cold, closed flock. Then 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 fine, but but maybe I don't want to. I guess that's a personal decision. Since I since I had this positive test, maybe I don't want to uh, sell the chicks when I hatch them. Maybe I don't want to say start Sue over here and give her some of my chicks, or maybe I don't want to uh, uh, breed from from this flock because I'm not, unless I'm going to just keep them here. Because if they, if any birds leave the property, give away, sell, or whatever, then then at that point you're you're at the end of the day, spreading the mycoplasma around.
1: Right, and this is where, you know, you're, you're kind of reminding me of something that my dad would always tell me. He's like, you know you're doing the right thing when it's the hardest thing to do. Um, uh, and yeah. it, it, if you do the testing, I, it, you feel like, I, in my mind, you're being a responsible poultry owner and you're doing testing and you're doing, you know, you're probably going above and beyond what a lot of other people who are trying to sell birds online Um right. Online have, um, but there, in my mind, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, look, we test our birds, um, we sell those birds, um, you know, to, to, to you know interested parties, and we did identify you know mycoplasma gallisepticum in uh, this flock of birds, and you know we're being honest with you, and, and this is you know the result that we get. It's very common, it's ubiquitous. Um, you know, you could recommend. I think I think the majority of scenarios are going to be people who buy birds. Um, via online sources or whatever it be, um, and then those birds come to them. And I think where, where we need to be a little more vigilant is we need to quarantine those birds when they come into our backyard, uh, quarantine them for, I would estimate, uh, 10 days to two weeks. And during that 10 days to two weeks, um, you should be observing those birds for the clinical signs that we talked about a little earlier. So sinusitis, um, are their sinuses inflamed and red? Are you um, hearing those tracheal rails, kind of that rattling of their trachea, almost like when you have almost like phlegm in the back of your throat? Um, do those birds seem depressed? Um, all those type of things, you know, regardless of, of mycoplasma, you, you, you want to quarantine your birds, uh, new birds, when you bring them into your flock, because the last thing you want to do is get your flock um, infected with whatever diseases those new birds have. And that's a a common scenario. And if you quarantine them, that's not perfect. But, you know, as as I've said kind of before on the show, you don't want to make perfect the enemy of good. Um, You might have some disease there even after the quarantine, but you've at least done your due diligence at that point. And I think for most of us, we just want birds that are healthy whether they're carriers or not sometimes you know we're willing to to have a little flexibility on that especially with mycoplasma cuz it's such a complicating disease for backyarders um and for a lot of other producers small producers because you typically just don't get that much disease. Now the commercial industry is, is keen to um, address issues because um, mycoplasma septicum specifically um, uh, uh, results, infections result in a drop in egg production. So there's a commercial aspect to that also. And if you're a broiler producer, um, those birds will get uh, condemned if they have um, an sacculitis. So if their air sacs are infected, um, that broiler will be condemned by uh, the Food Safety Inspection Service. So there is a commercial aspect to, and a motivation for the commercial poultry industry to control it, but even the commercial folks have problems, um, specifically on the layer side, not so much on the broiler and turkey side, but on the layer side they do have some problems with mycoplasma. Um, and they, they use vaccination programs. Those Vaccination programs probably are not as practical for smaller producers. And, and I have difficulty recommending vaccines uh, for people that don't go through their veterinarian because I think vaccines, and some, sometimes I think people see it as a crutch, and they think that the vaccine is going to cure all their problems. And if the vaccine is not administered correctly, um, and if they're still in a in a in an environment that has a lot of disease in it, that vaccine um, will not be um, completely efficacious.
0: So, it, and I don't, I, I say I say this next scenario not to bash MPIP. Every, I mean, I understand MPIP. I get it. I think it's a great thing. We've had the director um, on several times. She's a friend of mine, uh, Denise uh, Benson, and. um, Realist, just so people know, because so you see all the time, uh, oh, we just passed MPI, IV, or I'm MPI certified, or yay, we got MPI certified. And a lot of times, it's, it's the bare minimum for the uh, typhoid and the, the salmonella uh, But So you could literally, someone could have a flock that's infected with mycoplasma, um, and they may not know it, and but yet they're still, hey, we are MPIP certified because we passed uh, the typhoid and salmonella pallorum, so yay, my birds are healthy, buy for me. That, I mean, I, I guess I could go with anything, but just to let people know because they put so much emphasis on this MPIP, and I think it's a good thing. I think it shows that they're trying to do what they can do for a healthier flock, show folks they're do trying to provide a healthy flock, but again, it's not perfect at the end of the day. Or they could even may have a test that says, oh, that, that my flocks my mycoplasma, not do the right thing, still say, oh, I'm MPIP certified, clean for typhoid and salmonella florum, but they still have mycoplasma. I just want to share that with folks, not not to bash MPIP because uh, Denise is awesome, the program's great, That's great strides, and it's a good thing. But so many people, I see it every day, they think, wow, my birds have nothing and no diseases, and they're awesome, the healthiest ones buy from me because I'm MPIP, and they're not doing salmonella monitor, they're not doing AI, they're not doing mycoplasma, they're just doing the the bare minimum. And so I share that just to, to wait some folks up and, and, to, and to have them realize that because they get such tunnel vision when they see IMPIP um, uh, for that. So um, I wanted to share that with them and uh, because uh, it, and it, it seems to be very common with some backyard blocks being mycoplasma. So I just wanted to kind of throw that in there with that, plus the fact and offer that scenario that, well, I had one test positive, does that mean I have to call them all? And as I think you said earlier, well, if you really want to try to start and – with birds that don't have this and try to keep them from getting this, I, I think the answer was yes. But if you're just going to just have them back there for eggs and meat, and these are mine, and I don't breed, and I don't, incub- you know, sell or show, then, you know, more power to you. I think at the Yep, end and of I, the day. I think that
1: the, the MPIP um, statement you had, I, I, I agree in that. And in, in, in MPIP, it's very flexible in the sense that you can kind of a la carte um what um aspects of MPIP are following and, and and I don't pretend to be an expert in MPIP it's so complicated um <laughs> every state is a little different um yep. that being said you know the one one thing I I I also agree with you MPIP is uh an outstanding program and we wouldn't uh we would have uh, the the pro the problems that MPIP has solved uh, with respect to salmonella control and um, other diseases have, are are remarkable and are an example in in my mind of a of a kind of that perfect relationship between the poultry industry, uh, the the government, and uh, the producers um, themselves' backyards and and large commercial ones, um, and and the individual state governments. Um, The one good thing, though, so uh, one one, one point I wanted to make, so in California several years ago we had an outbreak of very virulent infectious bursal disease, Um, and um, it's one of these, it was the first time it had been found in North America, um, and, you know, people made the point to me Said, well, we don't test for, uh, why, w- why should we do MPIP? Because they don't test for VV, IBDV, very very infectious bursal disease. And that's true, but that I think the real value of MPIP is not the testing. Uh, the real value of MPIP is what they require you to do with respect to biosecurity. And I know we always, at some point in every talk that we have and in every article I write, I, I, no matter what it is, we're going to talk about biosecurity. And the reality is, is that you're not going to test your way out of diseases. Um, the best way to control diseases is biosecurity, and what MPIP does is that there's going to be someone that comes onto your farm if, you're an MP, if you are certified by MPIP to make sure that you're doing things correctly as far as biosecurity and husbandry. They're also going to do some testing, and I think we all get caught up a little in the testing and uh, false positives with salmonella, pylori, agglutinations, and all these kind of things because the tests aren't always the best. Um, But really the real value there is you're getting another pair of eyes um, that are objective and that are experienced onto that farm and are making sure that, yeah, this person is is doing adequate biosecurity. Um, And and the reality is that's where you get the most bang for your buck. That's where you're going to control disease the most. Now, even if you are salmonella pallorum negative, Or what other other aspect of MPIP, unless you test every single bird, you can make the argument that no test is perfect. And I I would completely agree with that, but the reality is if you have 100 birds or 10,000 birds, um, you, you can't test every single bird. And that's where sample size calculations and epidemiology comes into the equation. And that's something I will work with producers on in order to kind of give them some certainty about how many birds they need to test to have confidence um, you know 95 or 99% confidence that that disease is not present in their flock but unless you test every single bird um you're mm-hmm. never going to know um and i think the reality is is that, that that's not a realistic uh, i think we all know that's not realistic so the reality is is that you know that that biosecurity that those those you know simple everyday um kind of you know somewhat boring things that we talk about are so essential for controlling disease. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. And even if you do everything perfectly, and I've seen this with commercial and backyard producers, you could have disease. You know, a perfect example is we have our, not that we're perfect, but the UC Davis pasture poultry farm, we have mycoplasma on our, in our flock. Um, uh-huh. And I'm not gonna depopulate that flock because we're producing, you know, over 800 eggs a week and the birds are healthy and happy and there'd be no reason to depopulate that flock. Now, if we decided to sell those birds, if someone said, hey, I want those birds, in my mind, in the perfect world, you would do some disease surveillance before you sold the birds uh, on Craigslist or whatever the website is that that people are keen to use, and you would communicate that to the new owners, and the new owners would decide they've got mycoplasma, our birds have mycoplasma too, it's not a big deal, Um, we'll, we'll, we'll take the risk on this flock. Um, but I think that's the challenge. Is is that we have mixed age flocks, and we have other flocks um, where we don't know the disease status on them, and they're they're moving around so quickly across state lines within states that um, a lot of these smaller producers, backyard, small commercial, are becoming reservoirs for all kinds of diseases, including mycoplasma, and that's where you start running into some challenges
0: would you i'm gonna challenge this uh to you as well because listening to you and dr mccrae and and dr joseph Hess at Auburn and all have uh, uh, kind of molded um the way I address a lot of questions and answer questions uh from you brilliant chicken folks and so um and and up to the point to where sometimes uh without because nobody wants to be you know to, a, a jerk. But like, you know, when, when you're talking to somebody trying to get a point across and they say, oh, well, just look at my flock. They're happy and healthy, but yet they may have mycoplasma. And you just kind of keyed into that. So I, in, in your opinion, because you had said, you know, obviously, we're not going to call this flock. We have we get 800 eggs a week and, and they're happy and healthy, but they have mycoplasma. So with, in, in, at your level, is that accurate? Could, could, I, could I say oh, my flocks have a very happy and healthy flock oh, but they have mycoplasma. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Not, not, again, at the end of the day, it may mean nothing, but I'm curious because it may help me in the future kind of mold the way I talk and, and, and folks answer questions and, and uh, reply to folks that maybe say, oh, I have a very happy and healthy flock, but do you really know that without getting them tested? So with your statement there, at, at your level, being the, do you feel like a flock with mycoplasma can still be considered happy and healthy?
1: No, Andy, that's a, that's a really, really good question. Um, and I think you can answer two ways. So um, you could say, in my mind, uh, as a veterinarian and, and just as a layperson, um, our flock's been tested. We do have mycoplasma on the flock, but we don't see any clinical signs of disease. And this is that kind right. of insidious nature of mycoplasma that I talked about earlier. Now, a week from now, I might see the flock and they might have, I might, hear, might start hearing those tracheal rails. I might see sinusitis, infections of in the sinus. I might hear coughing. I might see some lameness. And then let's say I uh, euthanize one of those birds um, I look at the air sacs. I see that they're infected. I send it to the diagnostic lab, which in most states is free, uh, and the diagnostic lab finds mycoplasma gallisepticum. In that scenario, a week later, I tell you, yep, my birds have mycoplasma, and yet, no, they're not healthy. So now I have to deal with uh, an issue at this point. And sometimes it, it, it could be... Um, um, it could be something that runs its course. I can also decide to use an antibiotic because I've identified the um, the type of organism it is, and I can uh, do antibiotic sensitivity testing to see if tylosin, for example, which is typically effective against mycoplasma, would work. Um, and that would be an appropriate. I think. I think to, to answer your question, it, it could be either or. Um And right, you know, one right of on. the nice things I think that you learn in vet school, and I'm sure. Um, sometimes vets, we always forget this, is, is don't just pay attention to the uh, diagnostic report. Look at the animals. I mean, if their mm-hmm. blood work is, looks terrible, but the animal looks healthy, that's a really important thing to integrate into your, um, into your, into your strategy of how you're going to respond. So just because the birds have mycoplasma, w- would I depopulate an entire flock? Um, in the scenario that I explained to you, for example, on our farm, absolutely not. Um, yeah, but yeah. so if, if we did have rampant disease, then, then we're dealing with different scenarios then.
0: So te- I guess it would be accurate to say the birds there, at your your um, flock, are just carriers. I mean, they're not showing any signs or symptoms. They're just carriers Absolutely. of mycoplasma. Okay, and and I'm guessing that you guys feel that they have this from transmission from the breeder uh, flock, the the mom and dad. Um,
1: probably not from the breeder flock. It could be from wildlife because our our birds are are pastured, so um, it's very likely that. And um, you know, we can do actually, it'd be really interesting to do a future radio show just on. We can go over the blood work, um, the the serology of uh, the diseases that our birds are carriers for, and the ones that we um, vaccinated for, so we can determine if our vaccines took, uh, if they were effective. For example, we vaccinate our birds against infectious bronchitis. Um, so it would be interesting to kind of go over that with people because in some of the, the diseases, um, while they seroconvert, we're just identifying antibodies um, to those diseases. And you have to pay attention to clinical signs also. Um, but the, the mycoplasma issue is a complicated one because it's considered relatively ubiquitous. Um, and it's insidious in the sense that, um, like I said before, it, it, you don't always see uh, an acute infection. Um, birds that are treated can be carriers. So why, you know, I can understand the logic for a lot of people saying, well, I've got backyard birds. I like the eggs. The birds are healthy. Um, we treated them and, you know, they seem healthy enough. So why would I do anything beyond that? When it gets a little more complicated, I think, is when you start dealing with people that go to shows and that trade birds, because now you're kind of perpetuating the, um, uh the the spread of the disease by not testing um or perpetuating the spread of the disease by testing and and moving forward with um trading those birds and not making uh consumers aware of that and I think that's where things get uh in my mind uh that's where we need much better um uh communication between um between buyer and seller
0: right and and, and having and, and it sounds like a lot of cases that – because, I mean, let's face it, you, you deal with backyarders, and, and it's kind of my fan base, and I think we both can agree that the majority of us don't test for anything. And so that's where it makes it kind of tough and to control and not spread. If, if we just don't know, I think a lot of people probably would be more um, – I don't know, have that moral compass and ethical – thing to say you know maybe I won't but then some people won't but a lot of people they just in the backyard they just don't test to, to know whether they should be doing that uh, or not that's that's awesome I got to go to commercial break and I'm just typed in on one of the blogs I was like uh, this is just it's really fascinating it's such a great show and I'm learning so much and uh, right before we uh, we come back we'll have you continue down the outline of, of what we more we want to share about mycoplasma, and then right before we end the show, I always kind of go back and just go through just a, a very simple overview, okay? And not to get into a lot of detail, but just say, okay, uh, signs or symptoms mycoplasma, and then maybe we'll go through treatment a little bit, and then and then just kind of a, kind of an overview right before we end the show. I want to do that, so if people tuned in midway. They'll just have that real short overview, signs of symptoms, maybe treatment options. Uh, and it sounds like one of the meds that you mentioned earlier that you may choose to treat uh, is going to be January 2017 by prescription only, correct? Isn't that one of the I think the medications you mentioned earlier that you correct. might prescribe? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, and we did a whole show on that a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to go to commercial break, but we'll come back and we'll uh, continue uh, with their patiski. Uh, um, and uh, talking all about mycoplasma. So so hope you're taking lots of notes like I am so far. So uh, absolutely awesome, fascinating stuff. We'll be back right after this short break. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing Give the chicken a day directly into their water is all it takes for a stronger immune system. Introducing e-poultry, an all-natural, whey-based soluble that will help improve your flock's overall health. Made by farmers for farmers right here in the USA, e-poultry is a safe, all-natural way to give your birds the strong immune system they deserve. Learn more and purchase at www.eanimalproducts.com. That's www.eanimalproducts.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family owned and operated business since 1937. In most cases, it's not necessary, but if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting, and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend: the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at sweeterheater.com. That's sweeterheater.com. Come back. Come back, back. Come back. Come back. Come back, 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 back From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. How would you like a punch in the beak? Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper brought to you by Combox Feeds. Our special guest today is, of course, poultry veterinarian, Dr. Maurice Pateski And we'll get right over here to the phone lines and bring him back on. And uh, i got about 15 minutes so we can continue on with uh, what we do to talk about mycoplasma and, and finish that up then kind of have a, a recap at the very end of the show.
1: Yeah, so um, I think, you know, just Thinking about things during the break, though, the one thing I I really want to stress to, I think, people that are listening is just in general um, the idea that we, we do the best we can with our flock, um, and that obviously goes to biosecurity, which we've talked about and is a really important topic. Um, and I think when we do have sick or dead birds, the next level for, for people to do, because people are going to say, okay, I do good biosecurity, I do A, B, C, and D, the next level that I think you know, we want to, ha- to encourage people to, um, to, to to go to is if they have a sick or dead bird is not just to say, okay, that bird – was old and birds die and I'm just gonna throw it in the trash. Um, we really want to encourage people to figure out why that bird died. And like I alluded to earlier, there are most many states, including California where, where I reside, um, those diagnostic services are free. So you can submit um, your sick or dead birds to the diagnostic lab and they will do in many cases several thousand dollars worth of diagnostic work to figure out what killed that bird. Um, and that's the next level because, you know, you can say you're doing great biosecurity and, and, and hopefully you are, and you're doing all the right things there, but when you have sick and dead birds, birds do die, obviously, like everything, um, but it's really important to try to figure out, are we dealing with an infectious disease? Are we dealing with, uh, some kind of, uh, toxicant? Um, are we dealing, um, with, uh, some kind of nutrition problem? Um, because if we don't do that, then, um, we're we're, we're not kind of closing the loop as far as um, all the work that we should be doing. And the next thing I'll kind of point out is that Those services are typically free, um, but um, having a veterinarian in the equation is also really important, and that's for two reasons. Uh, One is because, as we alluded to a few weeks ago, this veterinary feed directive uh, in 2017 will be implemented and revised, and uh, over-the-counter antibiotics, for the most part, will be a thing of the past. So if you want to get antibiotics for your bird um, at most feed stores already, but at all of them in North America or in the United States starting January 1st, 2017, you're going to have to have a quote-unquote relationship with your veterinarian. Um, so that's just a, a, a one reason why you're going to need a veterinarian. And the second reason is I'm trying to encourage, and I work with some of the faculty at the vet school here, to get more and more small animal veterinarians trained in backyard and small commercial poultry. And there's an interest level there. Um And one thing I'm encouraging the veterinarians to do is to make more house calls. Um, if someone takes their chicken to a vet um that's literally the tip of the iceberg so um you're you're not really looking at the root problems potentially that could be at that at that facility, and most if not all commercial. Um, poultry producers will make farm visits periodically to their clients to visualize what's going on just as another pair of eyes to see what's going on there. Um, So I encourage backyarders and small commercial producers to do the same thing. Get a relationship with a veterinarian so in the case that you need antibiotics, you can use them. Um, that's what antibiotics are there for. If you have sick animals, you definitely should use them, um, the ones that are available. But also having that extra pair of eyes there, having that veterinarian that you have a relationship with um, that can walk your backyard and look at what you're doing and make a, a comment here or there is, is, is so valuable. And I, I can't stress how important that is for all disease control. You know, I think when we talk about sometimes specific diseases, You don't want to just test for one disease. I wouldn't even say the people that listen to the show, if they say, well, should I test my birds right now for mycoplasma? I'd say unless they were sick or unless you were going to sell the birds, I would say no. Um, you know, the, the the more valuable thing to do is to focus on biosecurity, to develop that relationship with your vet, to to identify your diagnostic lab that you can work with when you do have a sick or dead bird. They'll take the sick birds, euthanize them, uh, do all that work, and identify what diseases potentially are, are infectious diseases, uh, excuse me, are, are, are present in, in those animals. Um, so I think that's what I would stress is kind of this holistic approach, um, if you will, instead of you know, each individual disease. It's good to talk about the individual diseases, especially like mycoplasma, because they are relatively common, but we need to think kind of big picture also. The, um,
0: you talk about, because I know Georgia, I believe, does that as well. Uh, you can send your dead bird, and they will do, a, I'm pretty sure, a free poultry diagnostic, a necropsy basically on them. Um, right. My question is, no, um, because... Uh, i I'm assuming it for everybody who just lost a bird who were sending their birds in it would get overwhelmed so is there a if you just you've had this flock for two or three years, you walk outside and one is dead. You saw no signs, no symptoms, no nothing it's just dead uh would it is it bad to suggest maybe at that point? You don't just send that one, or and then, or, or if, maybe if I saw signs, of symptoms, and then now it's dead, or maybe ooh now in the last eight days I've got two dead. I'm sending this one because now I've got two dead in the last eight days, and I haven't had any dead in the last two years. Because because I know it's it's their chickens. You and I both know this, and the experienced chicken people listening. There are times you'll go outside and they'll just be one dead, and you may not lose one for mm-hmm. another six months, what have you. Is that is that? More of a realistic suggestion is to say, hey, if they had signs of another dead, maybe that would warrant the, the state lab. Or if in a, a period of say 10 or 14 days you lose two, that's a big eye opener. That second one probably needs to be sent to the lab versus just the once a year. Oh, I found one dead scenario.
1: Yeah, so so Andy, I'll give you give you the answer that I, I I was taught in vet school vet school, which is always a nice <laughs> safe answer. It depends um and that's always a good safe answer um for for anyone to give but but the reality is like if we're dealing with with a predator issue um and there was a raccoon there obviously i'm, I'm not, I'm not going to tell someone to submit it to a diagnostic lab because it's pretty obvious what what killed that bird um that being said if, if the services are free um i would err on the side of caution so if i have a flock of ten and one of my birds dies i just lost ten percent of my flock Mm-hmm. You know do I want to wait two weeks? well, if it 's a paid service, you know maybe I do because I want to save money if it 's not a paid service why why not? you know why not just see what's going on in my flock, especially if i 'm going to bring other birds in there or i'm considering selling those birds, or if I just want to make sure that my flock's healthy, you know it makes you sleep a little better at night, knowing that oh, these birds you know they had e coli um, or, or 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 whatever it be, and and sometimes you're going to find something, and you're going to be like, eh, you're just going to shrug your shoulders, like you kind of alluded to, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just in my mind, the biosecurity thing, we we stress so much, and and right justifiably so, but we don't justify, we don't stress the the other end of it. What happens when these birds die? And um, I, I think we need to make that a much more common scenario. I agree with you. You are going to put a load on the diagnostic labs. The diagnostic labs are in a difficult situation because they kind of want to lower all impediments for people submitting birds. Because if we did have a catastrophic um, uh, outbreak of avian influenza or exotic Newcastle disease and, and those type of diseases, we want to know sooner than later. And um, there's a lot of good epidemiological and economic modeling about why that's so important. Um, So my sense is to err on the side of caution, but, um, you know, people are obviously going to do different things. I think the biggest thing is to make people aware of those services. Biosecurity, if you do surveys, um, a lot of people still don't know that term. And if you, you know, we, we, we sometimes we're just preaching to the choir, but, you know, you get a new listener on and, and someone's brand new, and then they, they start um, stressing and, and, and realizing that's such an important term. The diagnostic labs, we've done surveys in California among master gardeners, um, and master gardeners are, you know, the the, the, the demographic information, they were English speakers, they all had computers, six-figure salaries, and only 15% of those master gardeners knew about the diagnostic lab in California. So um, I think there's a lot of education that has to be done there. I, I agree with you, though, on the flip side. It, it does cause, and, and and those diagnostic labs even in California are starting to get uh, hit a little harder as far as the number of submissions they're getting um, because, you know, things are free. People are going to take advantage of them, of course.
0: Right exactly let's do a little uh, a recap like I said biosecurity is very very important and I hundred percent agree with you that um, even on the occasion once a quarter I may type uh, on my Facebook page what does biosecurity mean to you and uh, again some may back ten years ago when I would say that it would be like they've never heard of the term now more are hearing the term and a lot of them uh, some of them I guess uh, know what it means some even go as far as to implement some biosecurity, and then some uh, response uh, I've seen lately when you say, what does biosecurity mean to you, I'll get a, a tremendous amount of answers, Doc, that's like, oh, well, I, give, I feed antibiotic, uh, I, I feed organic feed. I don't give antibiotics. I give apple mm-hmm. cider vinegar, there, or, or I give them treats and make sure that they get a healthy diet. And so we, we still do have an uphill battle and a lot of work to do to let folks know kind of really what that means so um i agree 100 percent with that uh okay to kind of kind of recap if folks joined us halfway through and also kind of recap the show uh not in a lot of detail we've already covered the detail but just kind of in around like kind of the 20 question things real quick um mycoplasma signs and symptoms to look for
1: yeah, so sometimes you might have no symptoms. They could just be carriers and that's a common scenario. Um and then they get an E. coli infection and then you'll start seeing some of these symptoms which include those tracheal rails I mentioned, kind of this um um breathing in and out kind of um noise that you'll hear um when 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 you go into a house that has a uh, some kind of respiratory disease. Um, so it's really important to always have some quiet time when you're when you're watching and listening to your birds. Um, sinusitis, so just infections of their sinuses. So if you look right underneath their eyes, those are their sinuses, and those uh, normally should be um, not enlarged or reddened or inflamed or hot. Um, so you can see um, if you see, you know big, inflamed areas around their eyes that's a uh, sinusitis that's not always going to be mycoplasma um but that's one of the, the, the causes that could be uh, you could see coughing um lameness so one of the mycoplasmas we haven't really talked about the species but one of the mycoplasmas mycoplasma synoviae, um, can affect um, mainly the respiratory tract but you can also find it in joints uh, a hawk joint for example on uh, the knees um, and poor growth and drops in egg production um, so it's really important to kind of look for those drops in egg production that goes back to my whole, um, you know, as an epidemiologist, I'm really keen on collecting data. So I, I try to encourage backyarders and small small commercial producers to collect data because uh, if you kind of have a hunch you're getting a drop in egg production, it's a little harder to um, to really, you know, kind of have that, have that in the bank as far as knowing that that's another clinical sign. So it's really important for people to keep an eye on all kinds of things, including Uh, their egg production every day, so they can keep track of that and understand trends in that. Um, As far as treatment, um, there are treatments. So it's not like salmonella. So for salmonella, there is no treatment. Um, But for mycoplasma, you can treat mycoplasma. Typically, the most common antibiotic that is the most efficacious is tylosin. That being said, those birds that are treated can still be carriers. So the birds might get better Um, And you can say that those birds were treated, um, uh, and and it was a successful treatment, but you cannot assume that they are no longer carriers. Um, In fact, they most likely still do have some mycoplasma, just not enough to cause any clinical signs or disease. Um, And then going back to the whole thing about... Um, you know, about biosecurity. That's, that, that's the essential part. It's, it's Most of the mycoplasmas are vertically transmitted, uh, which means that they can be transmitted Um And so it's really important, again, if you do have a diagnosis of mycoplasma, to think about where you got those birds from, because it's, it's possible um, that the uh, parent flock was infected. Um, and then you need to, uh, especially if you're hatching your own eggs, uh, if those chicks are positive, um, then you most likely have a, a, an infection from the parent flock. So you need to test them and cull them if you want to get rid of uh, the disease.
0: That's that's great information, uh, super show, fascinating. I learned a ton, and um, I think a lot of our listeners did it well. I, I just, when, when you talk about that, because I've seen it on blogs, I've seen it on forums, not any recently, but even a long time ago when the group was just getting started, you you, you, <laughs> you see people post. My flock is sick. I went back to the breeder and told them they tested positive for this. The breeder's like, they didn't get it from me, but yet yeah, their, their flocks never tested. I could I could just kind of see that vividly happening. Um, if someone does their flock and they go back, you know how that's going to happen. Well, they must have got it from Alberts because my flock, and then but they still have they can't say that because their flock's never been tested. So yeah, do do the courtesy thing. Try to at least educate where, where you got it from, or let them know, hey. Um, you know, yeah, they could have, I guess, got it from wild birds, but I think it would be, behoove you to test your flock too, because it could have been from your flock. Because my birds have been nowhere but my backyard, from your backyard, and so there's two, I guess, two options here: wild birds or your breeder flock. So, uh, but yeah, just, all you can do is tell them, and then that, now the ball's in their court, I guess, because we've all some been down that road or seen how that road ends up uh, being paved So. That's great information. I'm very excited. I I know so much more about it. I feel like I can share this with other folks as well and in a simple format. So, Doc, thank you very much for joining us today, and we look forward to having you on next month for another awesome topic uh, about backyard poultry and keeping them healthy. So thanks for joining us today, and I hope you have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for having me again, Andy. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Uh, how how awesome is that? Such an asset to have Dr. Pitesky on um, every single month. And uh, his knowledge base, his experience is just awesome. Just So, so he writes for the magazine. Uh, so thankful for that. And then he uh, comes on the show once a month. So we don't want you to depend on blogs or forums for your health of your birds. We want to get it right from the poultry veterinarian himself and that, that's what we do here whether it's the magazine or the book or the podcast or any information that we share on our Facebook page you may not like the information you may not agree with the information you're going to have a hard time challenging the information as far as being science-based fact-based study-based information because that's what we're all about um, and it's obviously working because um, we hear from you and we thank you very much for your notes of encouragement and we thank you for listening and subscribing and purchasing the book and, and uh, following us on Facebook and at Twitter. That's going to wrap up another show of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Compact Beads. A huge special thank you to our guest today, Dr. Maurice Pitesky out of UC Davis in California and we'll see you this coming up Tuesday. We'll be back Tuesday right here 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time On Blog Talk Radio. God bless everybody.